You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 742 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is a Monday evening, a new week, and hopefully you guys have been listening to the podcast so far during this hiatus period. I know it's kind of strange that we're doing this at the moment with no basketball to talk about, but I have plenty of ideas and things that we'll be executing in the coming days, including lots of NBA draft content. If you missed it in the last couple of weeks, we had Spencer Perlman on, and then our last podcast was with Ben Pfeiffer. That was a long one, but it was a lot of fun to talk about. Ben is very smart about the draft, and we talked about a lot of different things. So uh, if you're in the mood for a long-form podcast, if you're, or if you want to break it up into smaller parts, that pod is there for you if you want to listen to it. Uh, today's podcast is with the great Robbie Calland of Uprock Sports and Dime and uh, formerly of Hawks.com, formerly of Peachtree Hoops, who was the person that I actually replaced at Peachtree Hoops long, long ago in the day. And we talked about a lot of different things, but mostly about the 2014-15 team. Um, there is a network-wide thing. You'll hear, you'll hear me talk about that in a second because I already recorded this interview with Robbie, but a network-wide initiative to talk about the uh, some of the best teams in the team's history that we're talking about on these podcasts. And 14-15 is sort of in a class of its own. So we talked about that for quite some time here. And later on, uh, either this week or next week, we'll have Robbie back, hopefully, to talk about some other stuff in the same era. Um, but with all that said, I wanted to make sure I came to you guys to let you know that we will still be churning out podcast content. There's lots of different stuff on the network as well, including a new show with Chad Ford. Um, that's, uh, of course, the former ESPN NBA insider slash draft expert that he is on the network now as well. Uh, Hollinger and Duncan, et cetera, et cetera. Lots of different stuff happening on the network. So check, check out all the different shows and Locked on Falcons. If you, are, if you are a Falcons fan, Locked on Braves. If you're a Braves fan, crossovers are all there. And thank you for listening as always. Now, without we, before we get to the podcast with Robbie, I have a good word from the folks at my bookie. Sports have come to screeching halt with basketball bench and pitchers off the mound, but our friends at MyBookie aren't going to let you get down. Stay sane and stay entertained with access to your favorite games like blackjack, roulette, slots, war, and more. It doesn't matter whether you're out or self-quarantined at home. The fun doesn't have to come to an end with MyBookie. They've also got you covered with a host of live casino dealers online. That's right. They have professional dealers at their tables Live on site, 24-7. If your favorite squad is sidelined because of the pandemic, don't even sweat it. MyBookie has partnered with some of the leading esports brands to bring you wagers on virtual action straight from the court in NBA 2K20+. Plus, You can always do your part to expand your bankroll by taking advantage of the shifting odds on political bets. You can trust the industry leaders in times like these. They're reliable, upright, and best of all, they pay fast when you win. Visit mybookie.ag and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA for a 150% bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code locked on NBA for a 150% cash bonus on your first deposit. You claim those extra funds all the way up to $750. Use the promo code locked on NBA to activate the offer. That's promo code locked on NBA. You play, you spin, you win, and you get paid. And with that, here we go with myself and Robbie Calland. Hello friends. Sports. Sports. They're not happening. So we're going to talk about sports when they were happening. <laughs> that is that is accurate. This is going to be a two-parter uh, eventually. This first podcast will be about the 14-15 Hawks, which uh, in, in two different places, including this podcast, just for people uh, to know this, the entire Locked On Network is doing a little bit of a segment the next couple of weeks about the best teams um, that people have covered slash watched of the teams that they're actually covering on these podcasts. And uh, I think it's kind of easy call 
to say the 14-15 team is the best team in Atlanta Hawks history. I know St. Louis won a title, but that was before I was alive and before they were in Atlanta. So uh, the 14-15 team is what we're going to be talking about today for the most part, and then we'll uh, we'll go for part two with some other uh, fun stuff from from the Mike Woodson, Larry Drew era that uh, I know we we both look back to uh, with fondness. Fondly. Um, we'll start 14-15, though. Obviously, people know this, but they finished the season 16-22. Uh, it was a heck of a run. Uh, they were the best team in the Eastern Conference pretty comfortably in the regular season. And then, of course, it did not did not go on the playoffs. I have a bunch of notes that we can get to or not get to. But uh, I'll open this up. I think I know my answer to this question. But what's what's the first thing you kind of think of or remember when I ask you about the 14-15 team? Uh, the Warriors game in January. I was going to say the same thing. Um, it was... The best basketball game I've ever attended by a lot from a like it, it was also the moment that the that, like it was the the day leading up to that game. So the day before and the day of uh, was the first time and I, I started covering the team in, in uh, the lockout season. So this was my fourth year doing Hawk stuff. And it was the first time I saw an actual national presence at Hawks games. I'd covered playoff series. I'd covered all kinds of stuff. It was the first time that the basketball world had made Atlanta the focus ever. And like, there were good teams before this, uh, but there had never been anything quite like that. The attention like Rachel Nichols is doing stuff on site. Um, <laughs> like you've got every major national writer is in town. Like the Warriors were taking off. So you have that colliding with the Hawks in the middle of their 17 to no January run. And it, it felt different than anything. I mean, I mean, you and I got booted up to the hockey box and like, didn't really care kind of understood like i haven't been in the hockey box in years um i, I had been but i was well, by, you had by, by that point i was not up there really ever so it was like kind of a throwback to just to say I mean, people don't yeah. know what that is probably but um that was the old ninth floor box that was yeah the, the auxiliary box media seating that people yeah. got kicked up to in, in my early days i was up there more often but yeah, yeah it's by, usually by that point, you and, and i stuff. were not up there <laughs> regularly no, no i mean like i said this is my fourth year doing the thing and and um yeah, it was it was just it was really just wild season to be a part of, um, and that but that game, uh, you know, obviously the Hawks won, and it was just kind of that moment where it was like, okay, like this could work, you know, like when everything's clicking, like this can work. Uh, I think Corver had like four or five threes in that game, and yeah, I, uh, I had the box in front of me. It's like the most yeah, yeah. fourteen fifteen box imaginable. Like the Hawks had seven guys in double figures. Right. They had eight guys with nine points or more. They made, they made 15 threes. Like it was, they had 30, they had uh, 28 assists on 38 baskets. Like they yeah. just did everything that the Hawks did that whole year and one night right. against the best team in the league. Yeah. And it, I mean, it was just, it was, it was, it, I mean, it's my favorite moment as, as far as uh, covering the team it, is, is that night. Uh, because like you said, I think it was, it was the best of that season, which was the best season. Um, it was the ultimate high um, for that team. 
it was some validation. Like I said, like there was such a national presence. There was this, there's this kind of fear going in that like, Oh God, what happens if they like, you're sitting there, you're like, Oh man, like, don't, don't be the Hawks in this moment. Like, <laughs> like you just like, you just like, don't get beat by 20 and have everybody call you frauds. And so that we get to that point later in the conference finals, but like they got to the conference finals. So like, Hey, and you know, and my PD broke Thabo's leg and there's all kinds of stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, in, in that moment, it was, it was definitely the high point. Uh, all five players of the month played great. Um, yeah, it was just, it was a really cool experience. I think anybody that was there uh, as a Hawks fan or as a Hawks media entity uh, remembers that one fondly. Um, for all, for all those reasons, I mean, it was just it, it was it was the high point of the high year, and it's just like I I've never seen basketball quite like it because it wasn't like the Warriors played poorly. No, like the Warriors played great that night. The Hawks legitimately like outplayed them, uh, and I think that was. That was the thing that that was like, oh, okay, this team's actually actually kind of for real. Uh, it just obviously didn't go well when they played the Cavs <laughs> and played LeBron James in the playoffs. But then again, it didn't go well for anybody that played the Cavs or LeBron James in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference for like a decade. So, so it goes. But that that's that's the moment that sticks out, and then. Um, I, I mean, just like the season as a whole, like I, I we we had kind of we we went into it and we were like, all right, this could be a good team, you know. They were coming off a solid year, and you know, we were like, all right, like we, we all kind of came in and saw how the pieces could fit. Uh, but it was it was the year everybody kind of took the same step forward, uh, even veterans, and and that's just it was just rare to see that, you know, I mean, that was that I would, I would argue that was maybe Dennis's best year as a Hawk. Um, as far as productivity mixed with playing the role he needed to play, like having him and Teague in the backcourt and, and Dennis able to, and, and being able to have one of them on the floor at all times. Um, I mean, you could, to, you could argue that, for me, I have this written out. You could argue that there were seven guys on that team that either it was clearly their best season or it was one of their best seasons. Like they're clearly in their in their absolute prime. You know, all five starters. You could argue to very plus I mean, probably not Bays, but close. Like Bays was. Pro- I mean, I think Bays was better um, in terms of just like his fully formed self. Sure. A couple years later, but he was. Better I mean, that, that was. I, I I mean, that was the year he shot thirty six percent from yeah, three. I mean, playing shot right three. It was, you know, like you said, it was as the best Millsap year. The, I mean, Corver shot almost fifty percent from three. Yeah, Corver shot four nine point two percent three. Like Damari I mean, was a forty percent shooter. All five starters. It's like, you know, Damari and Kyle were comfortably those was their best seasons ever. Both for both those guys, I think. Uh-huh. Paul and Al like was certainly they were they were their best like maybe maybe not by far that year by any means but they were both yeah their it was their most uh, most effectual for yeah. sure and like, it's, jeff like, too. like jeff was yeah keyed in on defense most of the year like jeff wasn't i think jeff had some higher highs at different times but that was certainly he was in his prime at that moment so and then you throw in yeah. tabo and everybody that just played it kind of just was the perfect storm i mean that that, that, that team did have talent it's kind of funny now 
I would argue that that they actually had more talent than people thought they did, because mm-hmm. now it's you know the 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 story is you know they they had no stars and all this stuff where you know you and I have argued this forever, but I think <laughs> bo- both 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 Paul and Al were like top thirty players in the league. At that oh moment. yeah. So it wasn't like oh, they didn't yeah. have stars. Kyle Korver was the best shooter, not named Steph Curry on the planet that season. Like mm-hmm. they had plenty of they had they had talent. They, they didn't have LeBron, but they had they had. Sure. on that team <laughs> but yeah uh, i mean there's and, and again it was like i think the reason i i, I think of base was like I, I think that was like you said it wasn't maybe <laughs> it was it was yeah it was base playing the role he's like needs to be in and he played it so well like he, he was just he was base like he, he just came off the bench he was all energy in what he played 17 18 minutes a game shot the ball well you know, I mean, it was it was one of these years where just like all the pieces fit together so well. Uh, Fabo was incredible defensively that year. Um, they just threw like just guys at you that just weren't fun to play against. Like I think that was the thing that I always would watch with opponents that year is like they just wore guys down um, because they just had these, you know, Damari and Kent were ultimate, like, just annoying guys to play against. Babo, too. Like, you would watch you would watch defenders just tap out trying to chase Kyle around. Like, they'd, oh, yeah. they'd be they were just done. I mean, that um, I'm sure you saw it, but the uh, I think it was, like, last week, the video made the rounds of when Kyle hit the four threes in a row against Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, it, made, it made the national rounds because it was the anniversary of that play. Um, I think it was, like, last week or so. Um, in fact, I have it in front of me right now, what, date, what the actual date was. But that was, like, the perfect example of that. It was just one example, but Kyle had so many moments in that run where he basically was completely unguardable, and you throw that in the mix of everything else that was happening. He was the X factor that people would argue. And I would be one of those people, mm-hmm. but it was not just Kyle, but he was the one that was like the ace on offense. The thing I, yeah. I, I want to make sure that I say before I forget to say this, that people always forget about that team. They were better on defense than offense for the season. Oh yeah. Which is they insane. People, people don't remember that, but it's true. right. But I mean, but again, it was, it was, that was Horford's best defensive season. By yeah. a lot, like you, you know, Alan you talk Paul about. were in their fully in, in their full bag all season yeah. long defensively, both those and guys. like it was the most engaged I think I ever remember seeing Jeff on defense. Who Jeff always had talent on defense. Same with again, same thing I say about Dennis. Like it was kind of the perfect role for Dennis because he would come in and be like the change of pace, super pressure guy. Where Jeff, Jeff just like shadowed guys all year, and Dennis would come in and he would just hound you for. 20 minutes and then leave the floor before he would get too tired to fight through screens. Um, and, and like I said, you had Damari who would get replaced by Thabo. Uh, you'd have Kyle who would get replaced by Bays, and you just, it was, it was an incredible team to watch. Um, and for sure, the highlight of my beat writing career <laughs> was covering that team. And, they, and also like they had, some fun personalities like that wasn't always the case on some of these Hawks teams. Um, but like Bayes, uh, Pero, Mike Scott's a personality for sure. Elton Brand, um, was just a delight to talk to oh, I love in that. the locker room. Um, and then you had, you know, and Damari, like Damari was like the Damari and Kyle were the two you went to. I think I probably talked to the most in that locker room. Yep. Um, because, Kyle could just basically tell you everything that had happened and like why it happened. 
and Damari would cut like a WWE promo for you. It was great. <laughs> that's, uh, that's so true. Like Damari would just like, you know, show up in a zebra print pants and uh, tell you why they were the best team and why they played harder than everybody and refer to himself in the, I guess third person is the junkyard dog. Second? I don't know. Whichever person that is. Whatever, per- whatever person you're calling yourself by your nickname is. He yeah, did that. The, se- the second and a half person, however you want to say yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, just a delight. And then, you know, and like Paul and Al loved it because nobody really needed to talk to them. Yeah, it was more It was more Paul later right. on. When, when After Al left, Paul uh, had to take on more and that you were largely gone by then. But And Paul was like suddenly having to carry things. He oh, did, he hated it. He did a fine job, but he didn't. He didn't oh, he did. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. I want to make sure we tackle uh, the the January run real quickly. Uh, obviously, people remember that, that they went seventeen and zero, and they had, uh, of course, the five players of the now month, infamous players of the month, uh, which I thought was and corny four all stars. It was cool. Uh, I, I will say it was cool in the moment. That that gets made fun of now, and I and I understand why. I really do. Oh, for sure. But um, it was still cool because. You know, sure. they went undefeated for a month, and they're and it was the Atlanta Hawks. That's never happened, and it probably won't yeah. ever happen again. Um, they had finished that month with a twelve with a twelve point four net rating, which is a silly season. But this is something I wanted to make sure I said too. It wasn't just that month. They had a stretch of thirty five so games that month uh, and that that season where they went thirty three and two. Yeah, they were unbelievable. Thirty three and two, truly unbelievable. Yeah, they actually started seven and six, which people forget. Like they were not scalding all season long it's really hard to win 60 games when you open seven and six and you lose, <laughs> and, and you lose your last three games of the season because they pedaled yeah. off at the end yeah so it's it kind of tells you how good they were in the in-between stretch but it, it was not just january in fact like even that warriors game was in february technically like they they went 33 and two in a 35 game span like it was not i think people just like talk about january hawks and i i get why but that was a team that for basically half of a season was borderline unbeatable it was kind of kind of nuts yeah, it was uh, it was why I mean they, like like it it was just I've never seen a team that that was constructed that well from Tazo. I like he, he, it wasn't like okay we're building around this guy. It was truly the ideal of building around a concept and building a roster to maximize everybody's potential around this concept of pace and space and all of the, and like just everybody fit on both ends. Like you don't see that a whole lot. You don't see, usually there's a give and take there's, you know, okay, well we got, you know, like the, the thunder, like there was, okay. There are these amazing defensive lineups when they have Andre Roberson out there, but they're better offensively when they have whoever else out there in the small forward spot. Um, but it, it, it really was a situation where you just didn't give up much on either end. Uh, and I, I've I've not seen anything like it without, you know, I mean, like you said, Al and Paul were star level players, but without that central superstar, I've never seen anything quite like it. Like even the, Rap, you know, I mean, the Raptors last year, I think, are probably the closest thing, but they had that superstar guy. Like that, <laughs> I, th- I think, I think that's the fun. Like, I think th- that Raptors team was basically kind of an evolution. Same with like this Bucks team now. Like, they're kind of the evolutions of like, okay, what happened if you actually took the same concept, executed it just about as well as far as roster building, but also had 
that transcendent guy. Yeah, I mean, and that's like when I look at the Bucks. Team, I mean, they're coached by they're coached by by Budenholzer. It's not a coincidence. <laughs> no, it's the it's the it's the same it's the same concept. And like, and again, they get them. Like, I, I think that's the thing that has always been the most impressive about Bud is when he's allowed to do his thing and and get he he knows how to find guys he can get the most out of. Like, Hawks Academy was a thing because of that staff, and it wasn't just Bud. It was Quinn Snyder, it was Kenny Atkinson, it was. Taylor Jenkins, it was the whole set. It was uh, Darvin Ham, uh, Tatabon, which, by the way, somebody hired Darvin Ham to be your head coach. Please. It's preposterous that he's not. Um, anyway, uh, hired Darvin Ham. Uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was all the, that's That's really the gist of this podcast is that somebody should hire Darvin Ham. That's, I, I want everybody to know that's the thesis running through everything I say. If there, if there is one takeaway from this pod, it is, is hire Darvin about Ham. Kyle Corver, it is uh, No, it is hire Darvin Ham. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, it's... It, it, the, the most personal thing about Bud and his staff is they identify guys that they can get the most out of and they know what's going to work. Like, um, you look at the Bucks this year, like, he has brought there's a reason Chris Middleton got that max contract and it's because they knew, okay, we were able to get this much out. We know where he can go. We know with what we want him to do, we're going to get max contributions out of him. That's what's happening. It's the same thing with, uh, you know, we're going to put DeMar Carroll, we're going to put Kent Bazemore. And when you pay them and then you kind of take them out of that structure and Chris Middleton's a better player than both of those. I want to be very clear about that. Yes. But uh, when you, you know, like those guys got paid for kind of what they had done. Then you take them out of that structure. Damari in Toronto, and obviously he had the he had the knee issues, uh, and it's been good to see. It was good to see him last year kind of bounce back some. And uh, but like Kent, like especially like you kind of took him out of the role that he thrived in, and 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 tried to put maybe a little too much on him. And uh, I don't think it was ever ever fully fair to him. But I mean, that's that's what happens when you sign that eighteen million dollar deal. Uh, but like. I don't know. Like I've, I've never seen anybody that's able to get guys to just embrace those roles as much. And I think it, it, it's the egalitarian way they play basketball. It's like you are going to get the ball. You're going to get to do things that maximize not just what you could do to help the team, but your production is going to look good. You're going to look efficient if you play within what we're doing. And he gets guys that buy in, uh, and he, I mean, like even even guys further down. I mean, Mike Scott had his best years uh, doing that, and and it's just I don't know. It's always been the most impressive thing to me about those blood years, and it, and it comes back to those guys being willing to buy in. Uh, like you can you can have this idealist system of basketball, but if you don't have guys that say, "All right, like we're not gonna have anybody that scores twenty points a game." But we're all cool because everybody's eating. I, if I if I had a dollar for every time Damari said everybody eats, <laughs> I'd be a very rich man. It was um, a frequent phrase. It was a favorite, and so it, it was. It was great basketball to watch, um, and yeah, it's it's um, it was a cool season, man. It was a cool season to just be in the arena every night, and like there was a buzz. I don't think I've ever seen the fan base as excited about stuff and, and kind of kicking that, you know, eventually it came back, but that never trust the Hawks shouts to Zach Harper. Um, there was a stretch where that legitimately got kicked, I think. 
I think that I mean when you go thirty three and two, that'll happen. But there was there is a genuine buzz and belief that that I don't think it ever even really existed in the Joe Johnson era. Oh yeah, I think that's definitely true. I mean, that was the first and only time in my tenure covering the team that I think anyone actually thought the Hawks were a contender. Yeah. Um, and that's not, you know, not, not a, a slide at any of the, any of the other teams, but it was the only time that anyone paying real attention, you know, non just like pure fan stuff thought yeah. that the Hawks could actually make the finals. Um, yeah. And I also, I also think playing into that was, that was, um, that was LeBron's first year back in Cleveland. Correct. That might be right. I believe that's right. Yeah. So I think, I think there is a feeling it was a little more open. Um, I think there was a feeling that the big bad boss in the East had, had maybe slipped a little bit cause he wasn't on Miami anymore. And, um, I, I think that played a little bit of a role. That was, was all, thinking, that was also LeBron's. I think if you are looking statistically, that was probably LeBron's worst regular season of yeah. his prime. Like he yeah. was still incredible, but he wasn't quite as dominant in that regular season as he had been in Miami. Yeah, it felt it felt like for the first time since yeah, since LeBron left. Well, also uh, they were they were Cleveland. also unproven too. Like we didn't know for sure because yeah. people forget this, but LeBron did lose some playoff series in his career. Uh, yeah, it wasn't like LeBron never ever lost, and that was the first time in Cleveland where. They were, you know, they were loaded still. They had Kyrie and Kevin Love. I get that. But it wasn't like we absolutely 100% knew that they were going to be unbeatable. Like, they had LeBron. They had the best player in any series. But, you know, there was a – there. people probably forget this now, but there was a lot of smart people who Mm -hmm. I trust that thought the Hawks were going to win that series. And I I didn't think it was crazy at all. Like, we all talked about how it was hard to pick against LeBron. But at the same time, the Hawks had been better than them for the whole season. It wasn't like – there would have been some massive upset if the Hawks with home court advantage had won that series. It wouldn't have yeah. been. And and then, and then LeBron happened. Well, and LeBron happened. And also like, and we should have, well, let's, let's go to this now. <laughs> um, you know, the Hawks were not the same team by then. Like they, they, nope. they had their run. They kind of mistimed it a little bit. It went a little bit early. Um, the, the, the Tabo thing happens and people underrate and overrate that in some ways. Yes. Um, yeah, I, think I think nationally it's... people forget it that it happened and it did matter. Like he was a key part of that team, but he also wasn't, a, you know, wasn't Al Horford. Um, sure. So that that hurt them. And then in but the playoffs, Demari... yeah, they had tons of injuries. Damari like couldn't move. Um, Kyle missed the last two games of the series with an injury. Al gets yeah. ejected in a game and dislocates his finger in the in the Brooklyn series. Paul Paul hurt his shoulder in April, missed five games, and like was never himself again. So like every team has injuries, but they probably had more than the normal team would have. Would they have won the series? I don't think. I don't think. I don't think so. Still, but nah. I think they would have won a game or two in the series. Oh if yeah, they'd been healthy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think I think we had all kind of. It was it was one of those series where we all kind of go, oh yeah. Well, as soon as, as soon as the, as soon as game one, <laughs> as soon as game one happened, it was like okay, they're probably in trouble here. Yeah, and we could go through the blow by blow. We we won't do that, but I mean, it it wasn't over, and it wasn't over until game two. I know, I know you remember this. We were we were in the media room together when and heard this uh, when Charles Barkley was telling everybody to turn the lights off after game two. <laughs> that that's that, that that happened. We were we were there. Char- uh, Sir Charles himself walking around and in uh, in on brand fashion, basically yelling at everyone to not just go ahead and turn the lights off. We're not we're not coming back to Atlanta. And uh, he was not he incorrect. Was he was correct. Um, not incorrect. We knew it too. Like I remember, I remember that. I remember that wait after game two, waiting for LeBron, who took 
forever. I think it was 45 out. minutes. I think it was 45 minutes. And we all were like, you know, this is over, so we can't, like, you know, this is the last time he's going to do this. And to their credit, this is something that I should point out, too. Game three, the Hawks could have won. And it would have been, been pretty surprising because Al got tossed in that game, but they, they took game three in Cleveland to overtime. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like they got blown out in all four games. People like assume they got murdered, and they didn't. They didn't. Game four, they got annihilated, and the series is already over. But they actually very credibly could have won game three and made it made it interesting again. They just didn't. So there you go. Barkley. That's that, that's one of the top five things I remember for that season, which is kind of funny. But uh, just because his, his his personality is such where you you can't help but remember stuff that he does, and uh, he was. He I had actually forgotten about that. It was great. I could. I I'll, 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 never, I'll never forget it. I'm terrible at this stuff. Like I, I honestly I am. Like I'm. I'm. I'm not a Robbie remembers guy. Well, this is interesting uh, because you know a lot of people that you. And but I there are there are some things that 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 stick out. But yeah, it, it's interesting because like I could I sat down to try to do some prep for these pods, and you know you remember things for sure. But I had stuff that jogged in my memory when I was doing research that I, yeah. I had forgotten that came back to me clearly. Oh yeah, no. As soon as you said it, I remembered it. Together, like you know, there's people that have covered the team, but not that many people during that time. Um, I have I have a, I have a couple asks out to people that were around that team. I'm hoping to get one of them on in the next couple of weeks, and I won't tell you who that is. But um, you well, you know who that is. But it's uh, it's it's hard because it was a while ago, and also you know the Atlanta media community is not enormous. You don't have a lot of options here. So it's true. You and I were you and I were there. We had fun. I remember, because <laughs> I was there. Uh, Shouts to Boom. Yeah, Shouts to Boomer. Um, yeah, and my, I'll, I'll, I have tons of stats that I could throw at you. But Please. My, my one stat from the Cleveland series, uh, the Hawks shot 24% from three in that series. Not great. And Cleveland shot 40%. So if that you want to circle that one thing. Was the, um, that was the first time that Kyle, like – that was that was the time that the defense really was like, all right, Kyle's not doing it. Well, and that was smart. I mean, which was which was which was the best way to approach that team because, like you said, I mean, Kyle was the X factor that just opened up everything else. And and when you talk about, I mean, you know, Paul wasn't quite the same, and like you're just like, okay, if Damari and Thabo and Kent and Jeff and Dennis and all these guys shoot the lights out, cool, but we're not letting the guy that hits half of his three pointers take any. Yeah, I think he's he, not getting open. And it helped. And, that he, it helped that it helped that Cleveland that, that he got hurt in that in game two. Sure. But at the same time, he was the only guy that could really beat them in that way. And Paul, mm-hmm. I mean, I love Paul. That is well documented. Paul was awful in that series. Terrible, like truly. Awful. And that his was also the begin- that was that was the beginning of Al Horford's the Tristan Thompson night, thing. Night, was, was nightmare there. with Tristan Thompson. That continues to this day, pretty much. That uh, somehow it's it's truly incredible. It is funny how there's just guys that that just have the number, even if they're not in like an objective sense as good of players. There's just guys that just have somebody's number. Well, and we and we knew that Al. If you had to, if you had to pick out one thing in Al's prime that he was not great at, it was rebounding. And Tristan mm-hmm. Thompson, his one thing that he is great at is rebounding. Sure so is. that basically was that's what happened. <laughs> he just kind of bullied him on the glass, and it happened. Yeah, no. uh, and that prompted them eventually to sign Dwight Howard when that that happened later. Um, moving right along from there, is that gonna be is that gonna be a podcast series? Uh, what if the Dwight year? The Dwight. Uh, I, I could do a I could do a long pod on the Dwight year. That would be great. 
That'd be that'd be exciting. I look forward to that in July. I look forward to that when we're just scraping in yeah, July. Yeah, when the NBA still hasn't played yet, and it's like August fifteenth, and the draft mm-hmm. is like scheduled for December, and I'm still yeah. doing, trying to do podcasts. Yeah, that'd be good. I, just, I, I, I just probably kill a week, week on that season. I was about to say a week on the Dwight, the Dwight Mare. Oh, I, I would be weeping by like the third podcast. <laughs> I'll just I'll just come on to carry us through. Yeah, please do. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I think. It's interesting that that team was so much fun and it gets lost because of how it ended. And it also gets, as as all things do, things get remembered incorrectly. Like, like I said before about the offense being the, the defense actually being the best part of that team, which is kind of funny, mm-hmm. but it really, it really was the case. Um, people act like they, like, like they didn't um, play well in the playoffs. Like the John Wall thing was always out there. Like, well, they would have lost to Washington if John Wall hadn't gotten hurt. And it's like, well, actually the Wizards were uh, minus 8.5 in that series with John Wall, and they were plus 1.2 without him. So probably not. Uh, <laughs> that's one thing. I, I have I have all kinds of stuff to throw out there. Uh, the I, first- also, I also, to, to go back to my everybody everybody embraced their role, I think it's the first team I've ever seen that had an inbound specialist, Shasta Perlantic. I mean, one, one of the, one the, of the king, best. One of the best. The king. Uh, one of my all-time favorite Hawks, Pero. Pero was up, fantastic. I mean, just the, pers- there with, the personalities there with, oh. are really important because, like, you know, uh-huh. I've covered this this team recently, and they're they're all good guys. It's just these they're young, and it's young in a way that, like, you know, they just they don't really open up all that much. Yeah. Most of these guys, I mean, occasionally you get a guy like like Dwayne Debman who will certainly say anything he wants to say, or Alex sure. Lennon, and a couple of guys. But that team, you know, there was not a LeBron like figure, and the, and the best. The best player, Al Horford, was never a dynamic personality by any means. No. But if you go on the roster, there's a lot of people that were memorable to you and I. Like, we talked about this earlier on the podcast, but even Para. Like, Para was really memorable and interesting, even though he wasn't this, like, legendary player by any means. Like, he was I I mean, he is to me. Well, yeah, exactly. But he he was fun. I lean lean into the bit a lot, but, like, I've loved talking to Elton Brand. Like, I... Oh. Elton Brand is probably a a bad GM at this point. Like, it's not... Not great. Yeah, it's not not great. Not a great tenure. But I I loved talking to Elton. Like, there's a reason why I make fun of that all the time. Oh, Um, I mean, like, the one of the first things I did when he joined the team was I did, like, a 20-minute sit-down. And, like, he's just a delight. He also almost got the team in trouble. Or I almost got the team in trouble for something he said. Because, like, they weren't supposed to be work- – I, I talked to him uh, – it was during camp. And we were talking about, you know, like, all right, like, uh, how do you make sure everybody in – everybody in October, every NBA team says, oh, we're going to play with pace this year. And I was like, you know, like, how do you make sure you're you're a team that plays with pace in January and February and not just a team that wants to play with pace in October and then gasses out? And he was like, we started having – he's like, we've been having – we've been running practices and, and, and running scrimmages with um, a 14-second shot clock since, like, July or something. And I was right for Hawks.com at the time. And so, like, that was, like, the best thing he told me. So I sent it in to my editor, and... Uh, nope. <laughs> it, go- it goes live, and that entire question is gone. And so I emailed Mike. I'm like, yo, what happened? That was, like, the best thing. He goes, he goes, yeah, um, they're not allowed to have organized stuff when Elton was talk about talking about them having <laughs> organized stuff, and we could have gotten fined. And I was like, oh. 
Well, that explains that. Okay, yeah, I don't make enough money here for that. No, that's not worth it. Anyway. No, they, they axed me. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... so that's good times. But yeah, I mean, like it was, it was stuff like that. I mean, they were, they were, there was such a plan in place to play the style of basketball they they were gonna play, uh, and they never deviated from it. And I think that's the thing I remember the most about that team is I, I don't think I've ever seen, I had never seen the Hawks team with such conviction in what they do. Um, and then we haven't seen it again. Like, I mean, we, and the thing, the kind of crazy thing about this now, and I'm, I'm not trying to be revisionist here. People know that I'm not like the Uber positive guy all the time about the Hawks. <laughs> I, I, I think it is accurate to say that people like you and I knew they were going to be really good. Now, 60 wins is not what I would say was going to happen sure. that season. But like sure. I, I famously remember talking about how they probably were going to win the division that season, and that oh, was yeah. that was a hot take because they won 38 games the, the previous year. But part yeah. of, and that was basically because of Al got Al, Al got hurt, which is they were bad that was the that. that was the year Al played 11 games, right? Yeah, Al played 11 games, and they but they they pushed famously they pushed Indiana in the playoffs in that first round series. The previous I remember year. that I remember that series. They had the Mike Scott game and all that stuff. Oh. So it was like you know the Hawks. Would Mike know, have like 30? It, he had a, like a 20-point quarter. I, mean, I had to go back in my brain and figure out. That was so – that was – I remember that series because that was when they – that was the first year they moved um, – they they moved – they made that section of like media seating on like the baseline. Oh, the baseline? Oh, yeah. Great spot. And uh, I think I was supposed to – I think I was sitting next to Rembert for that game. Was he wearing a jersey on media, on, on press row? Yeah, yeah. Happen? He was – yeah. And then he um, – and then he just like went and like hung out with his friends in the upper deck for the second half. Shouts to Atlanta's Robert Brown, um, legendary, legendary figure. But yeah, I, I, no one, no one thought. I think including them would have told you sixty wins. Sixty wins, on the table. no. But I, I do think that team. We we kind of knew ahead of time they were going to be good. Um, Again, I'll, it was, and it came. It came down to that like, like you can tell when guys are like, oh, we had you know like, guys are always overly optimistic about like. You know, we'll kind of kind of give you Fugazi quotes about like how good they look in camp, but like there was there was like a, a real confidence that like I know I had never really felt like that. Like they even seemed maybe a touch surprised at how well things were clicking. Yeah, um, and yeah, that was um, that was good times. Uh, for sure. That is, that's well said. Uh, we've covered, we've covered some ground here. We could go for days on this team. Um, but I wanted to make sure I, I talked to someone who, you know, who was there and we, uh, we were often <sighs> side by side during this run. So, uh, we remember a lot of things about, uh, things that happened, but yeah, they're yeah. really, they're really good. I think, um, they're probably underrated now because, yeah. of, because of, because of how it ended. And, and I mean, that's, that's how it always goes. I mean, you, you, if you lose, especially if you lose in a rather spectacular fashion, um, so it goes, but I, um, yeah, I don't, I don't ever recall anything quite like at any period of optimism like that. And, uh, yeah, there you go. Um, all right. Well, that, that covers that. I'll probably, uh, come back later in the week with, some uh, some nuggets because I have so many notes. I might just do like a Nuggets podcast on the 2014-15. Just a, all kinds of 
weird stats and things that happened during this run. Um, but it was, it was fun. Robbie, thank you for joining me. Uh, I'm going to beg you to come back in the near future to talk more about, uh, that era of Hawks basketball. Um, anything you I'll, br- I'll be sure to, br- I'll be sure to bring the energy. Anything you want to get, <laughs> keep that same energy, Robbie, please. No, 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 no. We're bringing Larry Drew energy, bring not Trey Larry Young Drew energy. energy. Um, I want to be, ve- I want to be very clear about what energy I'm bringing here. Uh, energy, um, what was the other thing that he was, oh, um, I'm trying to think of the, some of the other Larry we can leave people with on this podcast. Um, <laughs> I, I wish I still had the bingo card. Oh, the bingo card was great. Um, but anyway, wish. we will talk much more about Mike Woodson and Larry Drew, uh, the pre, <sighs> the pre bud teams. So next, the next time we talk on the podcast, I look forward, I look forward to just a lengthy discussion of the time Mike Woodson lost his eyebrows. Uh, and Maracas Woody, which was post hawks, but we'll, we'll be talking about that as the greatest gift of all time. So, <laughs> uh, Robbie, anything you have to plug? I know we're kind of in the dead zone over at uprocks.com slash sports, but uh, you're doing, yeah, you're doing we're, coverage we're, of things. We're doing stuff. If you like NFL draft stuff, we're, we're dialing in. I got big boards coming out. Just fired up. Uh, yeah, we're doing stuff. Uh, we got some, we actually have some, some fun stuff, gaming coverage and um, doing some gaming stuff with, NBA players, if you're if you've been following NASCAR stuff, I'm doing a lot of the uh, the eye racing stuff because I've actually enjoyed that. So we're just, I mean, we're we're making stuff happen. Uh, there's not there's not a lot going on in the sports world, but NBA draft, uh, maybe NBA there. and NFL draft is 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 where we are at. So I wrote about Sky Lewis today. It was riveting. So dialed in. We're already we're already focused on the 2021 draft. Which fun fun fact: the 2020 NBA draft at this point might take place in 2021. That is that's possible, which is deeply <laughs> deeply offensive to me. But it could, it could certainly happen. But are you, are you excited? Are you excited for the draft to be announced not in November and me to tell you I need a mock every two weeks when nothing's going to change? Uh, I'm already mentally preparing for that it's ask good. to start coming down the pike right now. Good. I'm glad. Uh, good friend of the program, Zach Hood from Peachtree Hoops, is uh, doing mocks for fan side, and he had to file. He had to file three in a two weeks in a two week span. And I was like, Zach, you got to tell your editor, man. You you can't you can't keep like what are you going to be saying in two months? Like you you can't do you can't do two a week. What if right we now. what if we start doing? Let's do um, let's do mocks as if we're Billy Knight. Uh, the Billy Knight mock. The uh, we could do uh, like the Vladi Divots mock, and just like I love I love this. Trades. Let's just do let's just do. Let's take let's take GMs of, of of past, present, and future, and just through the lens. We'll call it, we'll call it, well that's what we'll call it through the lens. Billy Knight edition. Billy Knight would just like you know just all wingspan. I was gonna say like who who's uh, physically limited? They would they would go like in the second round. Like who's a guy in the uh, Isaac Okoro? Like, like Cole, Cole Cole Anthony would be would be a pick in the uh, in the late twenties, despite being a top seven consensus pick. <laughs> Because he's not he's not six seven. So Anthony Edward goes first. Yeah, maybe actually I think Mello might go first. Mello James Wise James Wiseman is creeping up Billy Knight's draft board. The Billy Knight board would probably have Mello because Mello is like a six 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 seven point guard, which is like Billy's white dream. That is that is that's the thing he can honestly. That's the thing he could never fully fully realize. He could never get he could never get the big point guard. Folks, Billy Knight Billy Knight thought Boris Diaw was a point guard and he Boris Dio played center on an NBA on an NBA champion. So do the math on that one, folks. I, 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 I prefer to look at it this way. Billy Knight was ahead of his time. Uh, that actually is true. 
That's a take that is real. A lot of a lot of what a lot of not not everything. A lot of what Billy did was ahead of its time. That is switchability. Yep. Stretch fours. You can't have too many wings, which is now a thing that is real. Cannot have too many wings. Length and uh, being able to like not you know not not have to hide guys on defense. Like he did a lot of things that I'm made tell- a lot of sense. I'm, t- I'm telling you the. The 2000, we'll discuss this later in the week, but the 2008-9 Hawks, 2009-10 Hawks, put them in the NBA today, they're they're still a six seed. But Billy could have just drafted Chris Paul and it would have been fine, but instead he did not do that. Shut up. I love Marvin. This is a pro pro Marvin podcast. This is extremely a pro. I, I, I love that addition for the Bucks, and honestly... Probably the only person where this is one of the saddest things about the season, maybe ending. Is it Marvin? Don't get to Mar- see no, no Marvin, Marvin won't get a ring. Marvin won't get a ring. No. <laughs> only might this, be the only, only person this outside podcast the, could do that. Uh, talk about Marvin being might, one of the biggest casualties of the season. Might be, might be one of the only people outside of Marvin Williams' family distraught um, about him not you. getting a well-deserved ring. We will talk much more about Marvin when you come back. God, um, I can't wait. Thank you, Robbie. It's time to set the record straight. We're going to go back to working on things that we're supposed to work on, and uh, we'll talk to everybody else later on this week.